right, I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. I still have that weird chill up my spine being in Boston because of that Patriots thing, but. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be exercising that <laughs> shortly, I know that. Um, we are, what are we again? The CRM players. Okay, and that means we're what, exactly? We're glad to be in Boston uh, for Sugar Connection, that's, that's what it means. That's the only reason we're bad. glad That's the only reason. <laughs> I, luckily this year, last year I had it, but this year I don't have that chill at least when it comes to baseball season, since I'm a Yankees fan. Yeah. And the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs this year, so Ooh. I'm okay. We better ask our guests here, Craig Charlton, who is the uh, CEO of Sugar. Are you a big baseball fan? or Not not a huge baseball fan, okay. as you can tell by the accent. I'm, <laughs> I'm more into cricket and Australian rules football than I, right, am, uh, than I am baseball. That's why I but I do enjoy going to the game. Okay, uh -huh. so okay. when you go to a Patriots game against the... Let's see, you live in Denver against the Broncos. 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 the Broncos. Oh, the Broncos. Football. Oh, sorry, we're talking football now. Yeah. Right? Sorry. <laughs> no, forget the Broncos. <laughs> the Patriots versus the Broncos. Yeah. Who are you rooting for? The Broncos. Okay. All right, we, yeah. we can continue the with the show. The show <laughs> They've even got a Aussie who plays for <laughs> <laughs> I was at the game and they played, I come from a land down under, and I thought it was because I thought I love that song, actually. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us. We know there's a Pleasure. big conference going on and you're a busy guy, but we, we appreciate we you coming sure in. We sure do. If you've done a few minutes with us. So, yeah, so let's start with some history here. I know you come from, I think, financial technology, right? FinTech background and other things. You've been like a lot of things over your life. Well, yeah, I, I actually started as a chartered accountant um, way wow. back when. Wow. Uh, started uh, with uh, ERP products and, and selling and implementing ERP products and then in the late 90s, uh, we were doing a lot of work with a company called Epicall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They bought a CRM application at the time called Clientele. I'm not sure right. if you guys know. Oh, that yeah. Clientele. Oh, we my goodness. Yeah. So as a reseller, we built a whole lot of vertical technology using the Clientele toolset, which in its day was actually a really cool toolset. Yeah, ah. um, and so over the course of a number of years, we became Epicall's biggest reseller in the world, primarily oh, off the CRM. Um, so, you know, Australia should represent about... 3% of the world uh, spend, and we were number one in the world for eight out of nine years. Wow. Damn. I eventually sold that business to Epicor. You did? Yeah. Yeah, in 2008, just before the market crashed. Wow, good timing. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you were 31 <laughs> hours ahead of the market. <laughs> <laughs> it was in May, so I was a little bit ahead of, uh, ahead of that. But uh, And then I worked at Epicor for a number of years, uh, ended up um, general manager and, and uh, head of the Asia-Pacific region. Until um, when was that? And I, I ended up at Epic, finished at Epicor in, I think it was 13. Did oh. you know Cecilia Berkowitz there? She was, she later became CMO. I don't know if she was there then. No, oh, I, was I think we may have, may have yeah, missed by mm. probably a year or two. Yeah, and then I went and joined Excel KKR, who now yeah. own Sugar. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, originally I was CEO of a company called Avila. Right. In Austin, Texas. Yep. Uh, heavy CRM bed for association management. Oh, okay. uh, Not for profit and fundraising. And then uh, that company was successfully sold, and so I moved on to a company called Oildex in Denver. Holy cow. Which is uh, oil and gas wow. software. Oil, wow. You made the rounds. Head on against SAP, I assume. We were. We, were, we had about $185 billion worth of spend going across that network every year. Wow. An amazing company. I knew nothing of oil and gas. In fact, I even drove a Tesla. I had to keep that hidden. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had to come out of the closet as a tree hugger <laughs> once, I, once I'd gone. But uh, I didn't realize that oil and gas is just such, it's, 
the GDP of oil and gas in North America is bigger than the GDP of the whole of Australia and New Zealand combined. Oh my wow. God. I had no idea it was, it was so big. So that was a really interesting uh, journey. And then uh, that company was successfully sold to, um, uh, to Drilling Info uh, in September of last year. And so then wow. I was looking for the, the next gig. And, and when the sugar opportunity presented itself, I was super excited. Well, yeah. an enormous opportunity here. What attracted you about, after all that vast experience and all these different things, what attracted you to that challenge? Well, I wanted to get back into CRM. I mean, I think CRM is, is a customer experience more broadly. It's such an exciting market and it's such a, it's a phenomenally big market. It's yeah. growing very healthily. Yeah. And I also think there's an opportunity for a, a player to come in and really upset the status quo. And, you know, as a user of some of the uh, other products in the marketplace and a very frustrated user of some of those, those products, I thought, you know, there's, there's a big opportunity. And, and the way I look at things is pretty simplistically. I look at um, a company in terms of what's going to be slow to fix and what's going to be hard to fix and what's going to be easy to fix and quick to fix. Mm. And when I looked at sugar and did my due diligence, I, I decided that the stuff that was hard to fix and slow to fix was in really good shape more the go-to-market side of the business, which really needed to, to lift, yeah. um, which are the quicker and easier to fix things. Yeah. So mm. I thought there was a huge amount of potential. And six months in, I'm, you know, touch wood, certainly not regretting it. <laughs> Very excited. So, all right, so, I mean, I've known Sugar for 15 years, right. 2004. Since birth. But yeah, literally. I, I think you were probably, I'm trying to remember, I think I met Sugar at a Gartner conference Tara Spaulding was your VP of marketing at the time, and she introduced me to Clint and to John Robbins when he was still the CEO. And uh, and you've undergone an extensive set of evolutions over time, yeah. right? You know, open source, of course, being the first and foremost one, and then that became not much of a differentiator, really. So that went away, and then kept evolving from there. This evolution, the one you're so and and. In the course of that, by Sugar Seven, uh, you became a highly, a, a, like a really good platform for I'll call it what used to be called operational CRM, which is really what all CRM is right now is yeah. core mm. operational technology. But the leap you're making goes from let's say more left brain to much more right brain human behavior, right? And you're enabling that kind of thing now. You know, Rich gave us a pretty good picture of the technological side of that, but you mentioned that the quick to fix is go to market. And that's, yeah. that's a quick to fix, but it's a huge thing with sugar. It's been literally, as it's what's gonna give sugar back their, you know, their, uh, their strength. And so how are you thinking about that? Because you're going from a company that has never said they're anything but CRM, ever, not for a second until now, mm -hmm. right? And that's a and that's changing a game for you. So how how are you thinking about go to market, the leadership, you know, outreach, everything? How are you thinking about all that? Well, look, we, we've had the opportunity by virtue of our new owners to completely level set everything, and there's a, a huge amount of um, you know, <laughs> there's uh, I think I think a huge amount of opportunity. And for me, the way I look at things is as a as a user of CRM and many different CRM systems. Uh, the one of the questions that executives have been asking and not getting answers to, or getting answers to with a team of people running like chipmunks on a wheel trying to you know get outcomes. Uh, and I used to come home to my wife frustrated using a competing product, 
And I kept saying to her, I can't believe this is the number one CRM application in the world. It's just, you know, all the questions that I've been asking, I've been incredibly frustrated. I can't get answers to it. And considering the power of technology these days, um, you know, the, the sort of products that we're bringing out, like Discover, I mean, that, that for me, I was almost tearing up when they presented it back to the executive team because I said, that's exactly what I've been asking for for years. So, you know, in, in terms of go to market, um, not a lot is going to change. Um, but obviously, we've done the rebrand, we've done the relaunch, you know, new mission, new vision. And we're really promoting all the things that have been great about Sugar that we probably haven't done a very good job of promoting. And, and you've talked to Rich. He's a rocket scientist and, and mm. has got an amazing team yes. of people. They've been working on this stuff for years. I'm just the beneficiary coming in as the CEO at the end of the day with, you know, um, a, a good um, uh, healthy checkbook and, and, and writing checks. So we've, we've bought three, <laughs> three companies, which I think all of which have, have paid dividends in a major way for our customers. Uh, and we're going to, you know, we're going to go out and buy some more. But um, I think products like Discover, are incredibly transformative because it's questions that people have been asking for an extended period of time and not getting the answers. And even more importantly, it's, it's, it's answers they haven't been asking the question mm. where they should have been asking the question. So we're, we're super excited about that. I mean, it really does change the game. What kind of feedback have you gotten over these six months from customers and partners on this new direction? Uh, incredibly positive. Uh, interestingly, uh, when I started a company, I, I spent a lot of time getting out as far as I can to everyone and, and just asking questions and, and talking. Um, and our, our partners in Europe were quite vocal, saying, you, you need to get moving, Craig. You need to, you, you need to do some stuff. Um, and the next time I went back out, then we presented everything that we'd done, and, and, and uh, particularly the acquisitions. And they said, Craig, you need to slow down. <laughs> because, you know, we've got to catch up. Um, but we're not going to slow down. I mean, the pace of innovation is going to continue to accelerate. And I'm excited by that. I think we've got, you know, an amazing team of people and we've got great backers and uh, effectively an entirely new executive team with the exception of Clinton and, and Rich more recently. So I think there's a huge amount we can achieve. So here's another. So Sugar historically has focused on mid-market and it's had some tentacles at different times into the enterprise. Has also played reasonably well in the smaller yeah. business side, although not real small business, but like the lower, the, the companies that are graduating to the mid market yeah. was very sort of where well, sales logics used to play, right? Like right. in that area. We've always been really, really good at that to the middle, heading into the upper ends of the mid market. But you do, but you also have proven, and that was years ago, several years ago with the, um, with the IBM implementation, you proved that you could be enterprise level you could scale yeah that was proof that your technology scaled regardless of anything else that was a huge huge thing and it's so, so when it comes to enterprise for example because that's where pretty much all the biggest guys are playing and they're all there mm -hmm. um you want to go there are you going to go there are you definitely there are you, how are you looking at your sort of scalable your scale not your total addressable market your actual the market you scale best to so I, I think, as, as you said, um, we've proven we can scale to the biggest companies in the world. Uh, is that a place where we're doing, um, uh, you know, getting most of our success? No, but we're, we're very um, equally spread between, if you look at the markets, it's, it's about 30% is at the lower end of the market, about 40% is that mid-market and upper mid-market. 
and then the remaining 30% is, is, is enterprise. So um, the fastest growing section of our uh, customer base is at mid-market and upper mid-market. Yeah, that's not surprising. Uh, and, and look, in the, in the enterprise, you know, there aren't a lot of greenfields opportunities. You know, no. most of them have got something embedded, whether it be a legacy, you know, right. ERP, CRM, or, or, uh, or the gorilla in the space. So, you know, it's probably not an area that, I mean, we'll look at it opportunistically, right. but our, I mean, our core market is really that graduating into mid-market and then mid and upper mid-market. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a great place for you guys to play. And, and I mean, there are some really worthwhile competitors in that market, although I don't think you really addressed them too much, but, um, but you guys can play with anyone in that market without any doubt to me. So, but that brings another issue, or not an issue, a question. Um, that market is kind of, uh, by definition, people aren't sure what exactly it is, right? Because, like, for example, I remember a long time ago, I was asking SAP their definition of the mid-market, and this is literally what they said, anything under $2 billion. <laughs> I said, wow, that is a big mid-market, right? So <laughs> it's like $2 billion, like $1.8 billion mid-market in their head, and that's clearly not in my head, right? right. You know, 500 million, you know, that's mid-market. That's heading to the upper end, too. Yep. 900, 800, 900, maybe under a billion. Yeah, I get that. So where do you, how do you, how do you actually define that mid-market? Because that's going to make, obviously, a big difference. Yeah, look, and, and that actually differs um, region to region. Right. Like, coming from Australia, our mid-market and upper mid-market was very different to what the U.S. would define yeah. as, uh, as mid-market. But look, the, the, the way I see it from, from our perspective, it's that you know, hundred seat to two thousand seats okay. is the mid market to upper mid market. Mm -hmm. is, is the way we would good define. place for you to be too. Yeah. yeah. So, I'd like to go back to this no touch information management because mm -hmm. that seemed to resonate quite a bit. And let's face it, over the decades that CRM has been around, nobody likes spending time putting in data, maintaining data, searching for data, and that's probably been one of the main reasons that a lot of salespeople just don't like using CRM. Mm -hmm. So what are the different ways that you go about executing on this no-touch strategy? And I'm always interested in where does voice fit in? Because you're seeing a lot of, you know, the last four or five conferences I've been to in the last couple of months, voice has really played a, a really significant piece in shaping the customer journey, or at least being a part of shaping the customer journey. So when you think of no touch, it's just sort of what does that mean in general from yep. a sugar perspective? And then how does something like the, these voice devices and voice interfaces, how does that play a role in that? So look, I mean, from our perspective, no touch. And, and I've been around you know, a long time in terms of <laughs> CRM and you know, being in many environments where the salespeople will, they're very creative. They'll find ways not to use the system. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say cunning, but they're very creative, right? And the, the, the balance was completely wrong. And, and you know, where it was all effort and you can get Little out reward, what you type maybe. in, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's no value in that. Yeah. Um, so we want to turn the tables and it's you know, all value and, and, and virtually no effort. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that, then people are going to embrace the system, in fact, demand the system because it's a tool that helps them to be successful. So the, the examples of no touch you know, that we've already got within the application, it's obviously tying in all of the applications that someone's already using so that it's data entry as a last resort. You should never have to re-enter any data. I like that, data entry as a last resort. Last resort, yeah. yeah. I mean, occasionally it has to happen. We're, you know, we're not um, uh, head in the clouds and, <laughs> and, and completely disconnected from reality, but 
Data entry is a last resort. So if it's entered somewhere, get it into the system. But then more broadly, there's just so much information out there today. Why should you, have, as a salesperson, have to go trawling the internet to find information when there's publicly available sources that can give you a complete refresh, an ongoing refresh and an update of everything that's pertinent to that customer, whether it's a news feed, whether it's a change in personnel, I mean, all of those sorts of elements. And then the, the next level of that is that proactive insights that we were talking about earlier today. Right. It's to be able to surface information that I would wouldn't possibly, unless I was incredibly gifted or had machine learning um, DNA, <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to actually ascertain from the data that I'm looking at. So it's surfacing critical information about you need to action this. This is your next best action. This leads just come in and it's a really high probability of close. You need to be working on it. So it's using this, uh, you know, that 360 degree view of the customer, uh, you know, combined with uh, AI and machine learning and telling people what is it that they should actually be paying attention to. So I think it's 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 two elements. It's not having to enter into the system, mm -hmm. but it's also then not having to go hunting and pecking right. through the system to find information or go hunting and pecking through other systems, be they LinkedIn or whatever else, to find news feeds, having all of those feeding into your one portal, which is your, your customer experience application. So, you know, uh, we have this friend. His name is uh, Graham Hill, and we've known him for <laughs> many years. He's, uh, he's let's say... Uh, if he was older, I'd call him a curmudgeon, but he's not old enough to be called that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is he related to Benny, by the way? <laughs> Benny Hill, yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yes. I think I was uh, thinking he's a Benny Hill music. Benny's his dad. <laughs> you fit Benny's in right dad. with him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he w we were tweeting this morning, and I said something about unified data uh, that, uh, on my tw in a tweet, and he responded, and he's right. Customer 360 isn't always necessary. He said a lot of times people just need parts. Basically, I'm clearly interpreting his tweet, but uh, a lot of times they just need parts of that. They don't need all of it, right? They don't need the full profile end-to-end. -end. They need pieces of significance at the time they need it. And as he said, remember, data is a cost. And it was a really re very smart statement. Right. And he's totally right. Now, in our world, the world we're all in, yep. we hear Customer 360 nonstop, and we've heard it for 20 years, right? Yep. It's the holy grail. It was the holy grail. Now it's kind of necessary. But, um, <laughs> you know, so, but how do you take what Graham said and put it in terms of what Sugar is talking about? Because he's making a really important point there. We don't, what we need is the data we need to get the insight we need to take the action we need to take. We don't need all of it. We just simply need what we need. So, so I, I, I have a very different opinion right. on that because ultimately, if I need 90 degrees, I need 90 degrees. Take that out of the 360. Right. You need to have the That's 360 fine. in order to prov provide a foundation to answer every single question within right. the business. And the piece that I've always found with every CRM system I've ever dealt with, the piece that's always missing is time. The time, the time dimension, that time fidelity. The way CRM mm. systems are great at telling you the state of the nation now, the they're really poor at telling you historically what's happened. And, mm. and so the answer for a, a number of CRM systems is, we'll take a snapshot of the pipeline on a daily basis. That's my contribution right. to history. That's Frankensteinian. Right, I, I mean, really. I mean, that's and and you know to be able to <laughs> to be able to pull all the information, you need to have time, and you need to have that three sixty degree pool right. of data okay. to get the answer to any questions, whether it be a really really linear question mm -hmm. or something far more holistic. No, and that's I think Graham is actually saying that, but he's trying to. 
and to his point, which is actually important, is, yeah. I mean, we've all dealt with, let's call it, remember big data? Yeah. That was like the thing. And of course, it was the only big data until systems could handle it, which was basically, what, a year? It was right. Like, it, was just right. it was like, yeah. I, remember, <laughs> I, I still literally remember when a megabyte was big data, right? right. 286, <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, but I remember uh, Michael Wu, who was at this time chief scientist at Lithium and now chief AI scientist at Pros uh, said something very. He used to go around and talk to big data, small insights, which is really what we're looking for, right? Ultimately, we're looking for insights of importance to us based on the data we need to and get those insights, yeah. and that's where time does come in. Because yeah. yeah. one of the things I think you guys do, which no one else does, and is very powerful, and if you want my advice, make more of this, <laughs> is the way you look at anomalies, which we talked about with Rich too, yeah. which is. Because that's really what you're saying. You surface anomaly, you see if it has any substance or validity, and if it does, you've got something that will effectively help direct you where you got to go next. And that's where best next action can come in or whatever. But at that point, is surface that anomaly is mm. what you got to do first. And that really isn't always a measure of time. Because it's consistency versus some a differential, right? And so you guys do that. You're talking about that. We I do would, it. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. I would be showing that to the entire world. We are. As fast as you can. <laughs> we are. And, and, you know, I mean, that was an amazing acquisition. And when we, when we looked at and started doing the due diligence, all the things that they were talking about were the things that had been my ongoing frustrations as an executive in business, that there were, there were things that I couldn't get answers to. Hmm. Um, and things that the human mind can't comprehend because of the amount of data that's right. actually available. So, um, you know, and the beauty of it is, because it's machine learning, it's compounding, yeah. right? So you learn something from the breakdown of what's happened with a pipeline this quarter, where you, the forecast ended up being, ended up being off, like the 14% we were talk, talking about in the presentation. That's then built in for what was the anomaly? What, what were the characteristics? What were the, the changes in those 100 different data dimensions that we're tracking? In order to to lead to that anomaly, See, that's so important. Exactly, that's yeah. that's the key. That's the magic science the, to it all. Well, that's what you have that makes what you're talking about singular right now. To be honest, I mean, some of the other stuff is there's a lot of companies claiming customer experience platforms yeah. right now, like a lot. And honestly, I don't think any of them are customer experience platforms. I think they're engagement platforms. Um, and there's a to me, I wrote just wrote a 400 page book on engagement, okay, <laughs> and it distinguishes between those two very clearly. Okay, and you're, to me, you're an engagement platform, but you're going to call, I, I'm not trying to wage that fight because it's a ridiculous, <laughs> A, I'm not going to win it, and B, it doesn't really matter, right? What matters right now is that you accomplish what you have to accomplish and get the outcomes you need to get. All of that said, um, one of the things that, that comes, I found interesting about all the platforms and is that all of them make claims related to engagement, one way or the other, interactions, you know, that they can do X, Y, Z. What you guys are claiming is with the anomalies also, uh, well, actually, it leads to the question, which you're claiming that you, and I, I let me rephrase that, you unearth the anomalies, mm -hmm. you can show their either their lack of validity or their validity, 
but then it takes some action that has to be taken given their, let's call it their validity or their lack of validity, yeah. which is where, of course, what most people call best, uh, next best action is mm -hmm. actually best yeah. next <laughs> action. Friends heard me say this a million times. Because right. next best means the second best action. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like that. Pitney yeah. Bowes pointed that out yeah. to me. When, uh, <laughs> they said they were calling it best next action. I'm saying, why are you calling it that? This it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Though. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't, but at the same time, it's actually much more accurate. Right. Right. Yeah, right? Yeah. But in any case, that, um, how, how do you, with what you have now, I know you, it was mentioned you do it, but I didn't see any evidence of it particularly. So how do you, how do you think about it? For, if you're CEO, you don't have to tell me what Rich would. Yeah. But how do you think about it? So I'd encourage you to come to our session on Discover this afternoon because we're actually going to be ripping off the covers and showing it in, in, in mm. action. Um, it, it's, you know, the, the, the whole concept is when you detect an anomaly, rather than just saying there's an anomaly, now human being go and figure out, you know, what, the, what, what could be potentially causing that. We're also surfacing what we believe to be the, the possible reasons for that. And so surfacing them and actually proactively putting that in the user's inbox saying, here are the reasons why we think this is the case. So there's still a human judgment factor, yeah. but ultimately I think yeah. we, we can take it to, you know, the 90%, the 95% mark and, and then leave it in the hands of the human That's being in, in order to, yeah, in order to, um, you know, make that final determination and then obviously change course if need, need be or, or, or take other, other action. And, and the beauty of it is the, the more that we learn on more data sets, the better it's going to get, yeah. and uh, and you know, and ideally we get to the well higher than 90, 90 or ninety five percent. I mean, that's the ultimate aim, which is pretty uh, amazing. All right, well, we know you got to get back to the conference. So, yeah. one last question: You've been in here for roughly six months. What do you? Seven months. Now. Seven months. Yeah, okay. Really. So what what are we going to be? Uh, seven month mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the seven month itch. We should have brought a, a cake or something. <laughs> but what 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 do you see the year ahead for you guys? Is it going to be some more acquisitions? Is it going to be more stabilizing and adding to the platform and you know organically? What what do you want to see in the next? Well, year? Well, so we, we've done three acquisitions in the in the seven months. Um, the team asked me to hold back on, on uh, acquiring anything else while we got everything bettered down. And that was primarily to launch Discover and launch Connect, which we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, so we've now got an appetite for, for what next. So we've got a large pipeline of, of opportunities. We don't want to buy disparate pieces of technology which don't fit well together because I've, I've been the um, <coughs> unfortunate uh, victim of, of systems that are like that. So, but there's some great tech out there that's available at the moment, mm -hmm. tech that we can assimilate into our uh, into our platform very, very easily. So, you know, we've got a, a strategy session coming up in a couple of weeks where we're going to go back and revisit what do we build, what do we partner, what do we buy. Mm. Ecosystem. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Filling out the ecosystem. Yes, so sir. we've got um, we've got backers that are prepared to write checks and yes, it's going to be an exciting journey. journey. It is. <laughs> All right, well. They are best PE firm. <laughs> they are the best they PE are. firm in the business. This is okay. my fourth gig with them. So uh, nice. I love them a lot. Okay, well, we're going to let you go. First of all, we, pleasure to have you. Uh, glad to hear that you're a Benny Hill fan and you're not a fan of Bill Belichick and the Patriots, so that <laughs> makes things really nice. As, as long as it's not alienating our customers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is a CEO. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> 
Then you know you can loosen up a little bit on and flip to SNL or something if you're a US model, but Patriots, you gotta hold on. Sorry. All right, but appreciate the time. Thanks. Yeah, very good, sir. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Cheers. Absolutely. Good to meet you both. Well, we'll do it. Right. I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. We're still in Boston. But we are out. And we're still the players. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gents. Hopefully that accompanies.